We're going to continue our, our study for uh, the that we started last week and and being prepared unto the day of battle. Uh, we talked about last Sunday morning uh, how in preparation for this day of battle, we need to be strong uh, in the power of his might. And we looked at Joshua and, and how God told Joshua multiple times to be strong and very courageous. We looked at, at what that meant. And listen, our strength doesn't come from ourselves. It doesn't come from within. You're not going to dig it out of yourself. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps uh, to fight this battle because the truth is, we're all limited in the strength that we have. At some point in time, you're going to run out of strength. You're going to get tired. You're going to get weary. And, well, when you get tired and get weary, you fall asleep at the desk like you saw earlier. I mean, you, <laughs> when you get tired and you get weary, what happens is that, is that you're, we're prone to quit. But if you remember, Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's not their strength, it's God's strength. And if we're going to fight in a battle uh, that is never-ending, if we're going to be prepared and ready, we need to make sure we understand that the strength that we fight in is not our own, but it's of God. So we need his divine strength to fight a spiritual battle. And that was what we talked about last afternoon, last Sunday afternoon. It was It's a, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Uh, we have an enemy that is that we're battling. And whatever happens in our life, no matter what the struggle is, no matter, uh, it's, it, it can... It can face it at any time and at all times. Uh, no matter what happens, behind it all, there's a mastermind behind it. And, and that's, that's Satan. And it's Satan's desire to, to cause the church to, to, to fall apart. It's Satan's desire to, to cause division and, and, and a lack of unity. It's Satan's desire to bring strife amongst us. And, and he'll do that in our homes. He'll do that, uh, he'll, he'll do that with, between our own personal relationship with God and, and, and our falling into temptation. He'll do that in our homes. He'll do that in our churches. He's done it in our country. We need to make sure that we understand that, that we're not fighting people. Uh, it's not uh, it's not uh, Joe Biden that you're fighting or 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 or, or Trump. It isn't the, the Democrats or the Republicans. It's a spiritual battle that we fight. And so we we talked about that last week and how Satan's desire or last Sunday afternoon about Satan's desire was to, to was to destroy us. Look at verse. Uh, look with me if you would at verse ten. I'm sorry, verse uh, verse thirteen. It says wherefore, meaning because of the spiritual battle that we're in, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to, 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 to withstand in this evil day, having done all to stand. Uh, the, those words stand are, tell us what we're to do. It's, it's, it's all throughout this passage. Uh, verse, verse 10 it's mentioned, verse, verse, uh, verse uh, 11 it's mentioned. It's, it's, we're, we're told to stand. What that means is that we're to be immovable in, in this place. Uh, we're to stand in our faith. We're to stand against uh, the attacks of Satan. Uh, but we, and again, we don't do it in our own strength. We do it in the strength of the Lord. But God not only gives us the strength to stand, he also gives us protection. He gives us the armor of God. And we're going to get into looking at the, the equipment that God has given to us. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to look at the, uh, that, that equipment that God has given to us for combat, uh, uh, to protect ourselves uh, in this battle that we face. And we can, we can look at it and say, well, it's not that big of a deal. Listen, it's, this battle that we face isn't something that we see. It, it, it's something that we deal with every single day, whether you know it or not. Most of the time, this battle is going on around us, and we don't even understand that there's a battle. And that's a problem, folks. Have you ever... How many of you guys had kids playing soccer? 
Have you ever seen a, a soccer game going around with one kid sitting there kind of kicking the dirt? I'm not going to mention which, which child of mine this was. Uh, but uh, we had a child that wanted to play soccer. All of our kids played soccer. And uh, had a, I won't even say him or her, but uh, uh, they, 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 they had a desire to play soccer. And then we get to the field, and they would not do anything. They would kick the dirt and they'd stand in the spot, whatever spot they were told to stand in, they'd stand there. They'd pick flowers, they'd pick grass, they'd do whatever they wanted to do. But the, you know what they did not do? They did not play soccer. They were not involved in that game at all. Do you know why? Because they were not paying attention to that game at all. They were, they were completely oblivious to it. The only reason they were there is they wanted a trophy at the end. We have too many Christians that want the trophy at the end of the battle, but they don't want to be involved in the battle. Right? Uh, uh, people that are, that are oblivious to the attacks that are taking place in their own homes and in their own life or in their church because they're just not paying attention. And here Paul is warning the church. He says, listen, wake up because there's a battle and you need to be ready because the, these things will take place in your life and you'll think it's just a trial. But listen, it's Satan trying to overcome you. It's Satan trying to overwhelm you. It's Satan trying to get you to quit so that you don't persevere, so that you don't stand. So we have, we're going to look at just, we're only going to look at one this morning, but we're going to look at what God has given to us. Before we look at it, notice again it says there in verse 10, sorry, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. This is a word that's missing, but it's inferred. Uh, in, in your English, uh, it would be, uh, I don't know, I don't know what, to, what to necessarily call it, but uh, uh, maybe, maybe uh, our English teachers could, could tell me, but the word you there. Uh, it's inferring that this, this command to put on the whole armor of God is for you. You put it on. It doesn't mean that I'm going to come, that it's not for your pastor to dress you in the armor of God. I am thankful that, we, that my kids can now put on their own clothes. Except for Ezekiel, who can do it, but refuses to do it. This morning, I had to put on his socks while he kicked his feet. I had to, I had to put, make him put on his pants, and when they realized they were four inches too short, we, we had to change him, and he wanted nothing to do with that. He would have been glad to come here naked, well, in his underwear, if, if, we, if we would have allowed that. But as Christians, as you mature and as you grow, my other kids, they get dressed on their own. I'm not to dress you with the armor of God. I am to provide you with what you need, as, as your pastor, God is the one who truly provides it, amen? But you've got to put these things on yourself. It says, you put it on. Don't come to church and expect me to, me, to, me to do it for you. Because if that's the case, you're only dressed one day of the week. And that's if you're truly, truly listening and paying attention and not falling asleep during church service. Seriously, it's, it's for us to do. And, and that's, that's what Paul is saying. You put this on. And notice he says, the whole armor of God. We're only going to talk, talk about one part of it. But any one part of this is missing, and you're in trouble. Because it's, it, it, this whole armor is, is there for a purpose. It protects different aspects of our lives. And the first one we're going to talk about today is, is our loins being girded about with truth. And, and listen, if we don't have that, you don't have anything. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. Uh, but it's the whole armor of God. You can't just say, well, I've, I've got this down. I'm good. No, you need all of the armor of God. If you go to battle without a breastplate, you've left your part of you exposed. 
If you go to battle without a helmet, well, you're just in trouble because you don't have salvation. If you go to battle without the sword of the Spirit, listen, you're in trouble. We need to put on the whole armor of God. Notice here in verse 13, he says, wherefore. What does wherefore mean? Well, anytime you see wherefore, you have to look to see what it's there for. And it's there because of the previous verses where it says, be strong in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? Because we wrestle against it in a spiritual battle. We need to, therefore, take unto us the whole armor of God so that we can stand. And in the end, having done all, stand. When the battle is over, we need to be still there standing. Verse 14 says this, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. We're going to stop there. We're not even going to cover a whole verse today. It's just going to be this verse, and everybody is glad and excited because we're going to be out fast, right? <laughs> uh, wicked evil laugh from the pulpit. <laughs> Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. What, what is it? We're going to look at this morning about what that means. Practically. And we're going to look at what that, what that means if we don't do it. First thing we're going to see here is, is this. Uh, let's talk about, we're, first of all, we're to stand. And it's this idea of, uh, of being prepared. And we're, to, we're to stand as we, as, we, as we put these things on. We're to stand for what is right. Stand in the faith. Stand against the attacks of the devil. The whole purpose of putting this on is so that we can stand. Uh, and he says, do this. Having your loins girt about with truth. It means as we stand, we've already done this. Now, the idea of girding our loins with truth, I've heard it referred to as the belt of truth. Uh, it's talking about wrapping, our loins are, are this area of our body. It's, it's kind of the, the general, uh, your hips, your, your pelvic area. So what is, why are we doing that? Well, back in the days of, of, of uh, Israel and back in the days of, of in the military, uh, what did people wear? Long flowing robes, right? Uh, can you imagine trying to fight a battle in a long, flowing dress? Guys, I hope you say no. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, it's, it makes it difficult to, to run. It makes it difficult to, 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 do, to move around and, and getting tripped up in those things. And, and so, so what they would do is they would take their, 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 their long, flowing robes and they would gird them up. Ever hear of it where the Bible says, gird up your loins? Uh, uh, he would, uh, they told the, the people of Israel many times to gird up their loins as they would prepare for hard work or they would prepare for battle. And they would take, they would take that robe and they would, they, would, they would reach back through and they'd get the behind and they'd pull it forward. And then they'd wrap it around behind and they'd tuck it down into a girdle or a belt. And, and that would kind of keep things tight and make it almost like they're wearing a pair of shorts so that they could then fight and run and work and, and not get cut up and not get tripped up. And, and listen, it's important to understand this, the, the, this loin area is is, is a, the part of our, it's our core. It's where our strength comes from. And if you don't do this, man, you're in trouble. Because you're likely to trip and fall and to stumble. And you're also likely to be weak. We're to gird up or gird our loins with truth. Now what is truth? Although the Bible is not silent on what truth is. We're going to look up several verses, if you would. Turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus chapter 13. 
Sorry, I said 13. Exodus chapter 34. Verse 6. Verse 6 says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. In this list that we see here in Exodus chapter 34, we see God's goodness, God's mercy, God's long-suffering, and in this list of God's characteristics of, of his nature, we see truth. Truth is a part of God's nature. God is truth. And we, when, we, when we talk about truth to, in today's day and age, there's this, this warped sense of truth where you have your truth and I have my truth, but there is no objective truth. I'm sorry, but that's just stupid. Because I can say the sky is blue, and you can say the sky is blue, but it doesn't matter what we say. Look up at the sky and tell me what color it is. Right? There is objective truth. And, and, and God here in, in, in this verse and in several other verses uh, throughout the Word of God reveals to us that in God's very nature is truth. He is truth, which means he's the standard of truth. And if we separate from ourselves from that, if we turn from that, then what if we what do we have? Well, Jesus told the Pharisees in John chapter, I believe it was John chapter 14, he says, Satan is the father of lies. And ye are his children, is what he told them. Why? Because they were liars. And so so if God is truth, Satan is the exact is the exact opposite. Truth is a part of the divine nature of God. Look with me in, the, in another verse, uh, Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two, verse four. Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two. Verse 4 says this. He, speaking of God, is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are, are judgment, a God of truth and without iniquity. Just and right is he. Aren't you glad that God is truth? And now God being truth tells us something. It tells us something that the Bible tells us. God cannot lie. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God, that everything I see in this book is true because God tells me so. It, it doesn't depend upon my, where, I, where I stand. It doesn't depend on my opinion. It, it's truth regardless of me, outside of me. It is truth. And I'm thankful that I can rely upon the truth of God and the truth of his word. His, listen, his promises, it's important to be able to trust in his promises. And you can only trust in his promises because they are true. It's important to know that when I die, where I'm, where I'm going to spend eternity. Do you know how I know that? The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, I can know that I have eternal life. Do you know how I know that? Because of the promises of God. It doesn't have to do with how I feel. Sometimes people think, well, I just, I don't feel saved. 1 John also tells us, when your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. I'm thankful that, listen, because, listen, my relationship and my outlook, are, are, are my relationship with God can be affected by sin. I, I, I can lose my joy. I can, I, can have, I can not talk to God for a while. I mean, that, that affects me. If, it, if it, you don't think it affects you, that's a problem. 
the way we feel isn't truth. Now, I'm not trying to knock our feelings. Our feelings are a signal. If we feel away from God, like we're away from God, then maybe we need to take a look at why that might be. But if you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, you can know that you're saved, not because of what you have done, not because of how you feel, but because of what God has promised us. God is truth. It's a part of his nature. He cannot, he is unable to lie to us. Not only is God truth, but Jesus himself refers to himself as truth. John chapter 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ, his very own self, was truth. In John chapter 1, look with me if you would. John chapter 1, we're going to read two verses in, in this chapter. Verse 14 and verse 17. Verse 14 says, And the Word, speaking of Jesus, was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, so, so God the Father is truth. Jesus himself is truth. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is, is referred to as the spirit of truth. <laughs> look, look with me, if you would, in John chapter 17. Oh, uh, sorry, I'm, I, I'm jumping one. Uh, John chapter 14. John chapter 14 to verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Go jump down uh, to chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Comforter is come, speaking again of the Holy Spirit, whom I will send unto you from the, from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. First uh, John 4, 6 and, and, and chapter 5 or 6 also refer to the Comforter as the Spirit of truth. Uh, so we have God the Father, it's, it, it, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, all referred to as, as the truth. See, well, how do I wrap God around my loins? How do, how do I gird myself up with God? It's, it's talking about the characteristic of, the, of truth. It's, it's it, 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 all throughout from the beginning to the end of Scripture. God has, has honored this, this, uh, this idea of, of honesty, of truth, of integrity. Never was there a time in Scripture where God told people to lie. In fact, part of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not lie. God desires a truthful people. You know why God desires a truthful people? Because it's part of him. We are to be a reflection of God's characteristics. We are to be truthful. Not only is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit the truth. Look at John chapter 17, verse 17. This is Jesus praying to the Father about his disciples. He says, sanctify them, the disciples, through thy truth. Thy word 
is truth. Second Timothy chapter 2, 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know why the word of God is considered the truth? Because it's of God. See, this book isn't just isn't written by man. Well, well, there were 40 human writers, men that penned the, the, the words down on paper. All scripture was given by inspiration of God. The idea of God breathed. Uh, God gave them not the ideas to write down, not the thoughts, but the very words. Uh, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but uh, have you ever just had like the word of God just pour into your, in, into your mind as you're, you're talking to somebody, a verse that you've read before, but you never really spent time to memorize? There have been times when I've been preaching where, where verses just come into my head and, and I can quote them. And I, I couldn't quote them any other time in my life, but God gave it to me as I, as I needed it. As God begins to speak through you, it can happen when you're witnessing to somebody. It can happen when you're, when, when you're writing something down. And God, can, God can inspire you, but this book is inspired above all other things. It, it was the very word of God. And, and God gave it to us so that he could speak to us, so that he could reveal his nature, reveal how we fall short of his nature so that we could come to know him. His entire desire is to reconcile us back to him. And because he is truth, because his son is truth, because the spirit which helps us to understand this is truth, and he, he has given this book to us, it's his word that makes it truth. Well, if his word is truth because it's from him, when you get saved, what, is that, what should that do to us? The Bible says that in 2 in second Corinthians, Corinthians 5.17 or 1 Corinthians 5.17, all things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. I'm supposed to change. I used to be of the, my father, the devil, right? Isn't that what uh, Jesus told the Pharisees? They were lost. They were without, they were without him. They, they rejected the Son. Therefore, they rejected God. So they were without, without Christ, without God, and they were following in the footsteps of their father, who is the father of lies. I am, I am saved. I, I, am now, I am now a child of God. God has put in me the beginning of a new nature. This to be sanctified through the word of God, through the reading of the word and, as, as, and the spirit as he works in me. And I am to, I am to gird, up the loins, uh, gird, gird up my loins and prepare myself for battle to, uh, by wrapping my core with truth. So how do you do that? Do you just walk around with the Bible wrapped around your waist? No. Is there some belt I can go by? I wish it was that easy. Look with me back to Ephesians. We're going to read Ephesians 4. Look at verse 20. Now in the previous verses, Paul, Paul is saying, this is what you used to be. This is how you used to walk. But verse 20 says, but ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, then ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind 
and that you put on the new man, which is after God, and is created in righteousness and holiness. Wherefore, put away, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor. What is he saying? Take off that old man, take off what you used to be, and, and put on the new man. If you used to be a liar, put off the lying and put on the truth. If we're going to, if we're going to, to wrap ourselves or gird around our, 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 our loins with, with the truth, it means that we need to speak the truth. It means that we need to live the truth, and we need to worship in truth. See, there's a, there's a problem that goes out. There's an opposite of the truth, and this, it's a lie. Now, we can speak the truth, or we can speak a lie. Sometimes we try to bend the truth, but what does that do? It just creates a lie. It's, we, can, we can live the truth. Live what we believe. Live according to the word of God, because God's word is truth. But if we're not sincere in it, are we truly living the truth? The Bible says in John chapter 4, we're to worship God in spirit and in truth. See, there needs to be truth externally, and that's the speaking of the truth. Look with me, I say a few verses, Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Sorry, I'm wrong one. The Proverbs chapter 8, verse 7. My notes are a bit of a, Kerfuffle, if that's a word. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 7. It says, For my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. This is a lesson of, uh, from, uh, from Solomon to his son. He, and he's talking about the, 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 the words that we're to speak, and it's, we're to speak the truth. Verse, chapter 12, verse 17. He that speaketh truth showeth forth righteousness, but a false witness is his deceit. Look at verse 19 in the same chapter. The lip of truth shall be established forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. And we could go through, uh, uh, we could go through the word, and th there are hundreds of, of verses that talk about the truth of God and, and speaking the truth. And listen, it's important that we speak the truth at all times. Now, sometimes it hurts to speak the truth, but the Bible tells us to speak the truth in love. But we should always speak the truth. There should never. This is this is the practicality of, of wrapping uh, the uh, truth about our loins, uh, girding yourself up. If you're not going to live and, and speak the truth on a daily basis, if people cannot count uh, what you're saying as true, listen, you're not prepared for the day of battle because other people cannot trust you. And what's even more important is we've lost our. We lose our power. Remember, our loins is where our power comes from. Have you ever tried to lift up something heavy? Do you bend over like this and pick it up? Not if you want to back. What do they tell you to do? You bend straight, right? I want to rip my pants. That would be embarrassing. Our power comes from here. And if we want to be able to have a powerful Christian life and be able to stand, where do we need our power? We need a strong base. We need to be able to not be moved. Brother Donnie, if you're wrestling with somebody, what do you want to have? Good balance and a strong base. Because if you can be knocked off of balance, you're going to be looking up at, the, looking up at your enemy. He's got his hand on your throat. 
that's one of the things that they, that, that they that we, one of the things is we were just, I was just doing jujitsu here not too long ago. Um, one of the things that they, that they were teaching us, they have one guy who's a, he's a, a judo black belt. The guy's a really nice guy. And he would take like the last 20 minutes and he was teaching us throws. And ways. My goodness, he was rough. <laughs> it, 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 what he would always do is it would always, uh, it'd start by, uh, can I get a volunteer? I won't throw you, I promise. Uh, somebody a little younger, Earl. <laughs> Jacob, you want to come? I no, I'm not. I, I'm, this is hard, and I I, I wouldn't want to do it wrong. So one of the things that they, they, they would teach us is to get a good hold, and it's always getting it right up here, but back on the back of the collar. And then you, what you would start to do is you would yank it down. You know why you're doing that? Now look at his feet when I do that. He is off balance. So if I have two holes like this, and I yank it down like that, it is really easy to then step over it. And I won't do it to you, but you can go, you can go back. That, that, but that's grappling. It isn't standing back and punching somebody from, from a couple of feet away. It isn't being able to do some roundhouse kick. I can't do any of that stuff. But I've, I'm learning to grapple. And it's, it's that you're getting close, but your, your, your goal is to either knock them off balance or help them to use their balance or their, their, their movement to throw them off balance. And, if, 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 and then it doesn't take much strength at all to overthrow them. But if, you're, if your stance, if your power is strong, you cannot be overthrown. This is how important the truth is. You say, well, is it really that big of a deal? Because listen, we live in a day and age where truth is, is, is irrelevant as far as the world is concerned. And they're changing things that have, been, that, that have always been truth. And they say, well, it's not really true. That's, that's what man made. That's what we've made that up. Uh, that's not the truth. I'm sorry, but you can't change the truth. Objective truth is still truth. It isn't your truth or my truth or even this new idea of what truth is. Truth doesn't change. God doesn't change. Our understanding of truth comes from the very nature of God, and he does not change. Now, children of God, we are to be truthful. We are to speak the truth. Every word out of my mouth should be something that is always considered the truth. Not bent not trying to... Listen, we lie for all kinds of different reasons. And you don't have to teach our kids to lie. I was, I was a great liar as a kid. Uh, I found that, if, and I, I apologize now to my parents, but if I looked my dad in the eye and, and I told him a lie, he believed me. I found that, I found that was a, a good way to, to convince him that I was telling him the truth. And I was a terrible kid. Terrible liar. So don't use that, kids, to, to lie to your parents. Because I'm telling them now, don't to trust you. Just don't trust them. They're lying all, all the time now. I'm kidding. But our words mean something. It used to be, and, and, and listen, even in, amongst the world, a person's word was their bond. Not so much anymore. Why? Because that's the world's standard. But we're not to go by the world's standard. We're to go by God's standard. We're to, to speak the truth. Not only are we to speak the truth, we're to live it. Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. 
Verse, 20, verse 14 says this. Now therefore, fear the Lord. Serve him in, notice these two words, sincerity and in truth. What does it mean to, to serve God in truth? It means to do the things that God has called you to do. You know what the word sincerity means? To do it with all your heart. See, there's, there's the outward where I do the things that God wants me to do. I, I live that life. I, I serve God. I, and God's word says to tell the truth. I, I tell the truth. God's, God's word says to, to, to do this. I do this. Why? Because I'm, I'm being obedient to the truth, the word of God, to the God of truth. That's how I live out truth in my life. I, I, I do those things God has called me to do. And listen, I have a, a list of, of 20 verses here that we can look up that tell me to live in truth in this way by, by living out the word of God. But the word sincerity was there too, and that's the, the internal portion of this. So I can do the right thing with the wrong motive, the wrong purpose, and I have then not lived in truth. I have then not served in truth. I have then not worshipped in truth. We're told to we're told to to love others in word and in deed. In sincerity and in truth. We are told to serve God in sincerity and in truth. We are told to worship Him in sincerity and truth. That's talking about the internal part. And that's the part that, see, I can't see. If you tell me something, I can sometimes discern whether it's truth true or not. At, at some point, the truth always comes out, by the way. But I can discern truth or not. You can, I can see you living a life that, that, where you're serving God, but I can never see what's internal. And listen, what's internal is more important than anything else. Turn with me over to the book of Acts. Uh, what, what I've been trying to do with, uh, I, tried, I did it last week in, in, in looking at uh, uh, being strong. We looked at Joshua. Today we're going to look at the, at the early church, Acts chapter 4. We're going to just look at the last couple of verses in chapter 4, and we're going to look at the first few verses in chapter 5. At, at Ananias, a couple, Ananias and Sapphira. Verse 33 says, and, there, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Talk about the church. Neither was there, this is verse 34 of chapter 4, neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the price of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distrib distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a certain man named Ananias, which with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and kept back part of the, the price, his wife also being privy to it, and brought a certain part, and laid it at the apostles' feet." But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back a part of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing? 
in thine heart. Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came upon all them that heard these things. So what's going on? Well, uh, notice at the beginning there's a, there's a, a, a great need. Uh, no, the, the church is growing. Uh, uh, the, the, the gospel has been preached. Uh, the church went from 120 in chapter, in chapter 3 to 3,000 in just a, a moment. Uh, uh, again, just shortly after that, in uh, chapter 4, uh, more preaching takes place. The healing of the, of the man who's, uh, who's lame at the temple and thousands more get saved. I mean, the church is getting bigger. Well, what happens when the church gets bigger? Needs increase, right? Uh, there are people that have needs. Uh, some of the people that got saved were people that didn't have jobs. Some of the people that got saved were people that didn't have homes. Some of them were lame or, or had, had other, other needs. And, and, and many of them were, were probably widows. And, and listen, what, was, what has God always taught us to do for those in the body of Christ that have needs? To help them. Right? It's very clear in Scripture. First uh, John says that if we don't do those things, if we have the ability and we don't open up the uh, open up the bowels of compassion upon them and help them if, if we can, then how does the love of God dwell in us? So, so this is in the beginning of the church, and, and it didn't say that they had a meeting and got together. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how this happened. I, some, some actually, I, I, in some of the commentaries I read, it said that they think that they believe that uh, those that had had the ability to help, got together and decided what to do to, to do this. I don't see the, any proof of that there. I believe, and I believe that Scripture bears this out, I believe that God laid it upon their hearts and they did it. Why do we say that? Well, back when they needed to build the temple, guess where the money came to build the temple? It didn't come from an edict. It didn't come from a tax. It came from God laying upon the hearts of people to give. And in fact, it's, he, uh, Peter looked at, at him and says, why did you lie to the Holy Spirit? Listen, if they had just lied to the group of people about what they were going to do, they would have lied to them. I believe God convicted his heart, just like he convicted the hearts of, of, of Barnabas and the others. And, 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 they, and God said, this is what I want you to do. And he said, okay, God, that's what we're going to do. And then he went and he sold the piece of property. And, and he and his wife talked about it. Maybe they got more money than they expected. I'm not sure exactly what happened. The Bible doesn't tell us. But he and his wife conceived this plan between the two of them. And they, they came back just like everybody else did. They brought it and brought it, brought it to the apostles. And they laid it, or he laid it at his feet. And he said, this is what we sold the land for. What, what just happened? Man, he did a great thing. He sold property. He brought it to help others. That was a noble thing. That was a, a righteous thing. But it wasn't a truthful thing. Because in his heart, he may have made a vow, but he was certainly lying in what he did. You could say he was, you could say he was living the truth. He was, doing what, he was doing what God commanded. He was helping others. But in here, in here, God knows the difference. God knows the difference. But what was the punishment? God struck him down dead immediately. Because he, listen, that doesn't mean God is going to strike down every liar immediately. If that was the case, we'd all be dead. So well, why did God do it then? Well, back in the Old Testament, uh, if you remember, God told him on the Sabbath day it was illegal to go out and pick up sticks. Not illegal. It was against God's law to go out and pick up sticks. 
on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was a day uh, to remind them uh, it was God's day. It was a day they were to worship him, that they weren't to work. And, and if you remember back in the Old Testament, one man went out and he collected six, sticks on the Sabbath. And they didn't know what to do with them. I mean, he's just picking up sticks. And what did God say? Does anybody remember what God said? He had him stone him to death over picking up sticks. Something that he probably considered a minor infraction. In fact, Moses probably considered it a minor infraction. But God said, this is what I expect of you. And you rejected my truth. You, you, you rejected my command. Now, yes, picking up sticks is, is a minor infraction. But it, it stands for what's behind it. And that's the rebelliousness of the word of God. Yes, a little lie. Uh, it, it, it may not be a big deal to you and me. He still, he still brought in plenty of money and laid it at the apostles' feet. But in his heart, he lied to God. And God showed the church that day what he thinks about those who lie. Remember, he had, a, he had centuries, a millennia of the people of Israel feigning faking their worship. Isaiah chapter 53 talks about, uh, talks about the, the, the fasting and the praying. And like, Why are we doing all these, this fasting? And, and God, you're not hearing us. And he says, because the fasting's not real. It was all fake. Yes, they were doing the tradition. They were not eating, but then they were going out and doing all the wickedness as, as well. He says, that's not the fast that I've called for. It's all about what's in here. We're to, we're to, yes, speak the truth. We're to live the truth. And folks, if we don't have, the, if we don't gird ourselves with the truth, with honesty, with integrity, we have lost the power of God. Say, so, well, God hasn't killed me yet. Is that really what, all we want? No, God didn't. In fact, we don't have it recorded anywhere else where God killed somebody because they lied. But it costs us something. That's called sinfulness. It's called wickedness. It costs us something. So I, I don't lie. Have you ever come in and sang praises to God, but while well, you were just singing the words that were up here? How many times we come to church and our focus isn't on worship? That's false worship, folks. Well, I just, I just don't, I'm not into it. It's, it's false worship. How many times do we serve God, not because God has commanded us to, and not out of love of God, but because we're expected to? That's not honest. That's not girding, honest, girding ourselves with the truth. Listen, I'm not saying let's just all pack up and walk out of here because, oh, we're just not being honest. No, I'm saying get right and be honest with God. Come in and serve God because you love him, because you're so thankful for what he did for you on the cross. Not just because you're supposed to be here. If we don't do this, if we don't live honestly before God, and listen, God knows. I may not know. I, I, I'm thick. I, I Listen, I pray God gives me discernment, but I can only see it in my own heart. I can't see it in yours. But God can. So well, I'm not sure. If, if, if we're confused and we're not sure whether we're living honestly before God, maybe it's time we start to say, search, search my heart, oh God. 
Lord, you know me better than I know myself. Listen, we should all ask that because we have a desire to honestly stand before God and honestly serve him and to, to gird ourselves with us. But if we do not do this, we're missing an integral part of the armor of God and we will not stand in the day of battle. You say, well, when is that day? We're all looking forward to some day. That day is today. That day is tomorrow. That day is every day that you roll out of your bed and you get up and say, okay, God, today's a day that I want to live for you. Today's a day that I want to serve you with all of my heart, my soul, and my mind. Lord, I thank you for what you've done for me. Help me to live your word. Help me to live out Christ before the world. Otherwise, we'll be that kid standing out in the corner of the field. Not knowing what's going to happen. I don't want to be that kid. I've been that kid. I was never good at sports. I was always that kid that stuck out in left field and never made a play. In fact, the one play I did make, I still remember because it was that epic. And it was only by accident. We were playing PE, softball, and I'm standing there. Can't really see. I'm way out in, way out in left field. And uh, Jerry Schroth, my mom, one of the big kids. I was, I was young, in one of the younger grades. He comes up to bat. I hear crack. And I'm sitting there like this. And I hear the crack, and I look up. And I saw the ball. And I lost the ball in the sun. I like, huh, wonder where, where that went. And I put my glove up like this, trying to see, because the sun's in my eyes. Crap! I can take no credit for that. I did. I took as much credit as I could. Like, look what I did. And then I threw the ball, and it, you know, it didn't go very far. It was, all, it was all just by God's grace. But the truth is, our lives are all by God's grace. And if we're going to live honestly, it's only by God's grace. You don't have it in you of yourself to do it, to live honestly. And listen, there'll be times when we fall. There'll be times when we just, we struggle. Why? Because we have the flesh. That, that battle is internal. And, and the flesh battles against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. Sometimes that's an everyday occurrence. But we'll never win if we're not girding ourselves up with truth. Lord, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, uh, to prepare ourselves for the spiritual battle that's to take place today and every day. Lord, may, may we fight, Lord, on our knees. But, Lord, may we be prepared because we're living honestly before you. Lord, there's nothing worse than being a hypocrite and knowing it. And, Father, I, uh, I can't see in anybody's hearts here. I don't, I don't know where they stand with you. But, God, I pray that you would make it very clear to each one of us where we stand. Lord, help us not to be thinking about the, the, the person standing next to us or, or two rows away, but Lord, help us just to examine our own hearts. Lord, I pray that you would seek and, and help us to see uh, the, the weakness that we have in ourselves. Lord, help us to, to see where we fall short in this area of truth and honesty. Uh, Lord, and, and, and hypocrisy, help us to, to live our lives uh, for your own glory. Lord, if, you, if we find something, Lord, if you show us something, help us to get those things right. Lord, that you might be glorified. And, Lord, that we might stand in that day. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Heads bowed and eyes closed for a moment. I, this message has been for...